you have to thank your trauma. Yeah. Uh, you have to be grateful for it, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. you got to give it it's, love. It's, yeah, you, you do. You have to. And, and I, I, there's, a, there's actually another chapter on that, on loving kindness meditation, where I, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but in case your listeners aren't, where you wish yourself goodwill. You wish uh, the people you love goodwill, people that you don't know goodwill. You wish them the best. And yeah. then you wish someone you've had difficulty with. You know, and I've had several people, and then it's sort of. And I, after a while, I'm like, well, I have no, I have no problem with anybody. You know, I think I'm, I'm a pretty yeah. nice guy, and that, like, and I have no one. And then it just sort of dawned on me. I'm like, I have to wish goodwill to the to the man in that room. Mm. And you know, I, I broke down, and it took months, uh, but I ended up doing it. Yeah. And I, you know, I I don't wish anyone bad will. I don't, no. you know, I do. I, I, we don't know who it is. I don't, I hope he's never done it again or since. So like, I, you know, I don't wish that, but I, I yeah. don't wish him death or ill will, you know, adversity is something that really speaks to me because I'm raising daughters now. Right. Oh, or, yeah. And, and I want them to be empathetic, but I want them to be fierce. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get in their way. I also don't want my trauma to inform me as a parent, you know, and, uh, at first I'm like, okay, well I have to put some obstacles in their way because they need to, yeah, they need to go through some shit to get there. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. But no, yeah. So sorry. Keep I, going. I, and, and it's funny cause like forever I, and I, I was thinking, what could I do? Like how do people do that? And yeah. it was actually Cheryl Strayed who are uh, the author of wild uh, that was speaking and she, she was going through the same thing. And she's like, adversity finds you. You know, you, you know, yeah. as our job as parents are is not to coddle them so much as to be present and be loving and be and you know you can let them fall, but don't trip them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears, even though these may feel like your worst enemy. In truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Classes in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it, and we make some change without scarcity. I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn, and now it's your turn. Let's get. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. I appreciate you coming in and spending some time with us. I know there's a lot of things you could be watching on Netflix or listening to, so I appreciate you taking the time and plugging in. Maybe you're cooking, maybe you're cleaning, maybe you're, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, but I appreciate you being here regardless. So if you're new here, welcome. Appreciate you. If you're, if you're a regular listener, welcome back. So today's episode was a little longer. It was one of those ones where the juices were flowing and we were chatting and we were talking about all kinds of different things. I felt very, very comfortable in this conversation. It was like I was just sitting in a room talking. These are the best interviews and conversations I like that I would speak exactly. And this is what I do 98% of the time, but I really like it when I'm, it's like I'm speaking to a friend and we're not recording, you know, and, and that's the kind of authenticity that I want to have in the show. So I hope you guys appreciate that too, because I don't want, I don't like things to be scripted. Although I do like to have certain questions, I'd really like to just go off the basis of the flow of the conversation. And if you guys like that, I would love feedback on that. You know, I would, I, I sometimes wonder, is that the best way? Should I have more structured questions? I don't know, but I'd appreciate if you guys would let me know because if I don't hear anything, I assume everybody likes it. So I would really appreciate that. 
Today's guest, his name is Rob Imbo. He's got a powerful story. We talk about addiction. We talk about suicide. We talk about plant medicine. We talk about, you know, a lot of different perspectives. I, yeah, we get into a lot of different things. This is a, a deep dynamic conversation that I really, really enjoyed. And we also, I want to definitely mention this. I'll mention it after as well. Is Rob's got a book out. It's called Before I Leave You. It's a number one Amazon bestseller. It's a memoir on suicide, addiction, and healing. So anybody that's going through any challenging times and we've had, you know, you've gone through suicide or addiction, I highly suggest you check this book out. Uh, Rob is a beautiful human. I'm grateful to be connected by another great friend of mine, Leanne Lang, who's also been on the show and I've been on her show. So yeah. I'm, I know you guys will get a lot out of it, but make sure you listen to it right till the end because there's a lot of value there. And if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And at the end of this, if you get value from it, share it with a friend, leave us a review, whatever you can do so everybody can get value from this. So I appreciate you guys. I hope you're comfortable. You got your cup of coffee or your tea or wine or whatever you do and you enjoy this episode. So sit back, relax. Rob Imbo coming right up. What's happening, man? <laughs> Oh, so much, so much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a book launch eve for me because it's coming oh. out tomorrow. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, and I don't know why, Lance, but I've been most nervous about doing this than any other <laughs> interview. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I was nervous with Leanne, but Leanne was my coach. So, ah. you know, she was, you know, she's so cool about everything. And she's like, you know, and she's like, but it's in a studio and it's really, you know, and I've been listening to you a lot. So I think that makes it a little weirder. <laughs> oh, cool, man. I love it. Yeah. Welcome so to the show. But, but I'm both excited and nervous. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's awesome. And you know what? We're we're recording. Let's just get right into it. Otherwise, we're gonna talk too much and we won't we won't get all the good stuff on. So cool. Let's do it, man. So what's going on? What like tell me what's happening in life right now? This is uh <laughs> This is crazy. This this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the eve before a book launch that shares uh, the deepest part of my life and, and the, the darkest parts of my life. So it's kind of weird. I know people say surreal all the time. And I'm sure if you ask 30 people what that meant, they all have 30 different answers. Yeah. But it just, it's, yeah, it's weird. It's exciting. It's helping people already. It's, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. And yeah, it's super exciting time. What a time for it to come out too, right? What a time. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> What's your take on all this, man? Let's get into that. And then I'll, I want to I get some backstory. But lately, I've just kind of been like, well, what's your take? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts like right now in this moment? What's, today's date is March 30th. So when this is aired, it'll be a little bit later. So, right. but what are your thoughts as of today? I'm, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm also... I, I, I've been living a life of gratitude and this just helps amplify that. You know, I'm stuck in the house with my favorite people in the world. So it's, it's you know, I'm, uh, myself is, is not a big thing. I'm more concerned with the rest of the world. I'm most concerned with healthcare workers, some of which, some of whom are friends and that friends have lost family now already, which is makes things, makes shit real, you yeah. know? So it's, it's terrifying. I, I subscribed to Tim Ferriss. So I, I was scared back then. Like it was over a month ago when he started releasing stuff and people are accusing him from spreading panic. And, and I was just like, he's a smart guy. 
and it's, yeah. it's Pascal's wager, right? And I'm like, I'm just, you know, just in case we're going to limit our exposure. And my mom's uh, uh, is, is a little older and she goes to see her mom in a home, which is dangerous. So we sort of limited everything <laughs> in the family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of thoughts and feelings, just a, a lot of strange things. What about you? <laughs> Man, it's, I've gone, I've gone on a lot of different, different waves of this. So here's my original thing was, this is just another bullshit scare, right? Mm -hmm. This is, that's what I thought. And I just thought it was another one of those things chalked up every year. There's something else. There's one year it's bird flu next minute. It's SARS and whatever it may be. But I'll tell you when things got real for me. I was at the, I was watching the Vancouver Canucks play New York Islanders. This was on the 10th of April, uh, 10th of March. And there started to be a little bit more buzz happening about this. I still mm-hmm. didn't take it serious. The next night we went and watched some more sports. I was taking up too much of my time watching sports. So it's good <laughs> that it's so when we were watching, we were watching the Oilers game, and then all of a sudden the NBA was on one of the TVs and it said it'd been shut down. And I was like, okay. The, a, a whole sports league is being shut down. Like this is not normal, mm-hmm. right? Night mm-hmm. after, and then we were me and my buddy at the time. We were sitting there, and we we're like, "Well, the NHL's next, guaranteed mm-hmm. tomorrow and yeah. the next day." So for me, I, I that became real once that was the thing. Once sports started shutting down, so then after that, it just started to. I started to hear more about this and then I started to become a little bit concerned. And then I actually, a friend, a buddy of mine who is actually an emergency room doctor actually just released his episode today. You should check it out. Dr. Kaveh Kavusi. He's an ER doctor in Toronto. He started talking about it more. And I was like, okay, if he's, if he's concerned, like he's not full of shit, he's like the real deal. Right. And I was like, okay. And then he said, he was recommending look at Peter Atiyah and people like Tim Ferriss and Sam Harris, they started to talk about it. And I, thought, I said, okay, this is something that needs to be looked at. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's crazy what's going on. But at the same time, I feel like it's a real, there's a blessing in this too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's going to be a blessing. And this is allowing us, I think, whatever you're scared of, whatever that may be, it's kind of going to force you to face that because there's a lot of different things a lot of people are going through and it's going to be sur- it's going to come to the surface true that- i mean this is the the first time in modern times that the world has a common enemy yeah right this this we have no choice but to unite yeah you and know? it's almost yeah. brought this sense of community it's almost there's mm. positives in it too people yeah. are connecting yeah. more with community whether mm-hmm. it's on zoom calls or you know, their families are, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's, there, there are a lot of positive things happening yet. We don't hear those because it, a lot of people will just focus on how many deaths. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all things in context, you know, with, especially with news, you really have to look at the, the entire thing. There's, you know, hundreds of thousands who have gotten better, but that can't be told without the people we're, we're losing. So we need the entire story at all times, I think. Yeah, uh, it's funny when you said that that night that NBA announcement was yeah. out was the the night I just said we're gonna wake up tomorrow in a different world. I said to my wife, yeah. and she's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Mark my words, it's gonna be a completely different word world." And the more I looked at it, the more I just 
you know, want to barricade <laughs> ourselves and, and learn, learn as much as we can. And there's so much fake shit out there. So we have to yeah. sift through it. You know, I think Facebook, Facebook has done a really good job of, you know, trying to limit that. So mm. um, they're trying, you know, they're people that are trying, they mean, they may not be perfect, but they're trying again, we're, we're yeah. uniting. I'm a huge advocate of taking care of your body and that our bodies are more powerful than we like to give them credit for. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we've, you, our families, the fact that we're alive right now, the fact that we're here means that we've had to get through a lot of shit over the years. Right. Like our human, our, our species is powerful and strong. And I feel a lot of times we forget that, you know, and not to say discredit the, the, the illness. I mean, I know it's, it's causing a lot of issues, but I also believe that, you know, fear is going to weaken the immune system. It's a science. You know, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about it. And if you're going to put foods in your body that are proven to not, to be a disservice for your immune system, well, you may yeah. get it quicker than the person that's kind of bulletproof with their health, right? Yeah. Like, there, there, is, there are some like real facts there that people, I think, don't want to, they forget. And because of the fear and the media, they, they almost want to give their power away. But I try to encourage people, like, do your best you can. Mm -hmm. Do yeah, your try. best. <laughs> Have, like, understand how powerful you are as a human. Mm -hmm. Know how powerful mindset is, how powerful it is to do breath work, put good food in your body. I mean, this is kind of what we prepare for. You know, mm -hmm. if you're doing personal development or anything like that, this is kind of the day where it's like, all right, the dress rehearsal's over. Like, what? Let's let's go. Mm -hmm. And so, although it is serious, there's also people in their 90s getting over it. So, right, right? it's it's it's. A, it's and a and I would bet that, and I, I I bet it it would be those people that you're talking about, people who have taken health seriously. And yeah, you're definitely, we're on the same page because it's part of, part of my journey. I was obsessive with nutrition. I lost 60, close to 70 pounds and just changed my life around with that and getting off my ass and getting to the gym and learning all that. And like you said, like meditation and gratitude in itself, just being grateful can change your, your, your well-being. Oh, Loving yeah. kindness, just thinking good things, thinking kind things about other people changes your body physiologically Dude. changes your mind like it makes you more powerful essentially i like that word i'm using your word it does it really does and scientifically i mean steven pinker has a couple of books on this the enlightenment now is the most recent it's really super dense and super academic but the the main theme is that we are at the best point in our species existence in every single human flourishing measure if you look at the data yeah, we are at the wow. best and we're always rising it's not always linear we've had world wars we've had you know we've had blips but it's always getting better our iq is better that's why they have to change the iq test right yeah you know if you, the same iq test 40 years ago is not the same iq test now we're literally getting smarter i i truly believe that there's a wave of consciousness happening you know, this past decade or so and more so, and it's, I think it's exponentially growing where we're becoming more united with our body, you know, and our, and I guess our spirituality just to, to say it, to not mm -hmm. to give a magic word to it, but I mean, really understanding or accepting that we are part of something greater. And that could be whatever religion you subscribe to or whatever practice that you, that you practice. 
Um, I, I really believe that. Like we're and we're uniting, and now we have a chance to unite even stronger. And I think we are. I think everyone's rushing to get a vaccine, and that's going to be shared instantly as soon as we figure it out, and as soon as we can figure out how to manufacture it. Like the world is going to to work together to get this out. Mm. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's, it's, dude, sometimes I'm just speechless at what's going on. Like, oh, right. But it means uh, it's too optimist talking right now. Yeah. Like, I think that, you know, (laughs) honestly, man, this is a life lesson that you do all the, if you're doing all the work, you're doing these things. This is just another, this is just a thing. I know that a lot of people are going through struggle and they're going, and I, I feel for them that that's, it's really challenging. But at the same time, do you know how many people I talk to? that went through the shit in 2008 that ended up becoming massively successful. That's, that's something as well. Like I don't know how many people I've talked to that lost everything in 2008 man. Mm-hmm. and then they've come oh, yeah. back and they're just massive. So although right now people don't want to face it, this is actually just as important as the things that are positive. The there, there's no such thing as good or bad. It's, it's, it's really your perspective on them, right? They're obviously these good, these hard times are going to teach you what you need to know. Like it's a hard pill to swallow, but that's the only time we're ever going to learn to get to the next, mm-hmm. the next level, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go through the shit. It's, it's hard. <laughs> to, to it's hard. It yeah. Is. It as is, much as work. we, we yeah. want to just cruise through life and there's, there's the, it's a beautiful time, but yeah. we got to be able to love the hard times as well. And, I don't know, man. This is a whole. This is the whole reason why I do the show is just so that we can. I can help people change their perspective on this this topic, and this is what yeah. we're going through. So, I feel like if you can use this time to really focus and go inward and really work on the things and really, you know, there there's so many other projects that we can do. You know, side hustles and spiritual practices and workouts and there's endless resources right now. And everybody's excuse is I don't have time. Is probably not a good excuse now, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that that kind of throws it in your face. I mean, so many people wear I'm busy as a badge of honor, or it's where it's not. It's it's a it's a projection. It's saying I don't want to look within and I don't want to be present. Yeah. Right? That's really what it is. So um I'm you know, I'm fortunate that I you know, I I've you know put the brakes on so I know I, I want to be present consciously deliberately present as at all times so i know that i'm practicing to be that way That's and awesome. both for you know my emotion and then for why i'm a father of two now and i want to be there and and being present is hard yeah sometimes yeah. it's hard sometimes yeah. the phone's ringing over there and like i'm with my daughter and but that's i'm better now i'm like okay well f the phone <laughs> uh, but sometimes but if it's if it's ringing there's still a few seconds where i'm like oh should i go see that and yeah. where are my eyes? My eyes are telling my daughter that that over there is more important than you. So I'm like, no, mm. get, get it, get it out of the room. You know, I'm a big Gabor Mate fan. Oh, <laughs> that's, awesome. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's where that comes from. Oh, he's from your end. He's Man, from I would, I would, I, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out to the universe. He's going to come on the show at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I got to put so it great. out there, man. He yeah. amazing. <laughs> He's put yourself through some psychedelic experiences through him. <laughs> Maybe he'll step up. <laughs> I, I had I had one recently, psilocybin one that helped a lot. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It was uh, it, a lot of realizations. Did it in the dark and I was just like showing so many things, so many files. 
it's amazing. Did you do the whole set and setting thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll tell a quick story and then I want to get in your backstory because I don't want to like hog, hog the people, you know, <laughs> I want to hear about you, man. But with what I did was I went, I haven't talked about this on the show yet, I don't think. So my intention was to really unpack some stuff going on. And I've done it recreationally before where it was all about the externals and you just go and have some fun, look at some trees and laugh. I wanted to go inward. So what I did was I really set the intention, made a list of intentions that I want, had a ceremony for it, did it on my own and went in the dark. I did three and a half grams in the dark with a night mask with the soundtrack called Music for Magic Mushrooms by East Forest. He is amazing. Do you awesome. Know awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard him on Audrey Mar- Marcus. And, oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm part of and, their... And ma- the Ram Dass tracks. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm part of Audrey Marcus's mastermind this year. So amazing. We, it's, it's freaking amazing, the people that, are, that, are, that are, I'm, I'm meeting. So I, I've been really thinking about how I can use this as, a, as medicine and tool. So I became two people, man. I became my higher self kind of guiding me through this five or six hours. And it was like I was being shown, it was like I was going through the file cabinet and just being presented with these files that I, some I wanted to look at and some I didn't. Some stuff from when I was a kid, weird stuff that I, I was like, oh, I don't want to see that. But I did. And I just was told, give it love. It needs love. Just like anything. Anything that you're resisting needs love. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And this was like my higher self telling me. So then we just, I would go to the next thing and the next thing. And it was telling me I was on the right path, but then it was telling me how selfish I was being and how I was dimming my light because of all the drinking I was doing and how that I had let that really start, really take away what my gift was, was, was helping people and being that light. And I, it was like, I was getting lectured by my higher self, which was like, I, I laughed, That's I amazing. cried, I had euphoria. I saw my, my, my dad who passed away. I cried. It was fucking incredible, man. And I, I, by the end of it, I felt like I had years of therapy in like five hours. So again, this, this is just my story. Everybody listening out there, this is, uh, and I apologize if your listeners don't swear, but I, I sometimes swear. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I'm like, on this like mental note, I can no, say the F word. Yeah, you, you, you can. <laughs> I, uh, I forget though sometimes when people share it, I don't, I don't want to offend. But yeah, anyway, so it's not for everybody. Do your own research. But if you're called to it, get curious. That's what I say. And I got curious and now I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So that was kind of my experience. Have you had any? Have you done? Have you dove yeah. So, and for your listeners, Michael Pollan's book is oh, incredible. I got it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, yeah, I just want to do a bunch more, but obviously I'm a dad yeah. now, so I got to figure that out when and where type thing. Of course. But yeah. This actually works out because it's kind of telling the back. It's actually in the book. There is, you know, magic mushroom on the wall and I did it recreationally and it was, the height of well the depth of of where i was and it showed me things that i did not want to see i knew nothing about it i was just you know with mm. uh, my brother-in-law who you know we get along famously and he's like yeah just try it i'm like okay cool and i was used to i was used to ecstasy is my drug of choice and, and oh, yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff that we can get into and i couldn't get away from it and when i closed the door there's no more floor, there's no more ground, there's no more, there's just space and the things that I didn't want to see. 
and I hated it and I hated it and I cried and I, I tried to get away with it. I took a bunch of ecstasy to try to get rid of it. And really? oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was fucked. It was just messed <laughs> up. And I was with my sister who was trying to calm me down and I'm trying to figure things out. And it was the worst and most important experience of my life. I hated it for weeks afterwards, did not understand. And then after being able to, after getting somewhat sober, I realized what it was showing me and it was showing me me. Like uh-huh. it literally was just a mirror and um, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it, but it was showing me who I had become and how awful a person I was in how I treated the people I loved and I hated myself for it. So afterwards, like it, it definitely just the whole, in the book is I hated, I hated it. Then I really needed it because I was able to, flick a switch i was able to say you know what i don't want to be this person so i'm going to work to not being that person i'm going to take steps and it's not an overnight thing but i'm going to start the motion forward you know and and a lot of my healing in the book is you know we'll take one step forward but i'll take five steps back but i'll take one step forward and maybe only four steps back and i kept on getting up and then I, i was lucky to have a girlfriend now wife who, you know, helped me through that. So we went from each other's enabler to each other's cheerleader. We didn't want to do the stuff that we were doing anymore. And we just continued forward. So that much experience, man. And now I I want to do it again because I've read a bunch of books. You know, I mean, the Mm -hmm. Michael Pollan book specifically is great. Harvard Psychedelic Club is really interesting. And then Robin Doss's book, of course, you have to read that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to read, but it's it's enlightening. He did a really good job. And then a few years later, we, I wanted to try LSD and uh, I was microdosing and it was great for creativity. And I decided to do one hit. <laughs> it was like maybe three quarters of one. And I could just, I could see the trees and I could see, I could see everything that I read about after. It's like, I think we're all connected. I think the trees are talking to us. Like I was, it was, I was seeing, seeing like everything, like I was seeing reality, but it was, looks like it was projected onto a sheet of, just a sheet and it was like blowing in the wind it was just and it was real like this is i'm trying to describe this walking around the house talk to my wife and yeah she's like okay and but i was like i think we're all connected i think we're supposed to love each other and that's it I'm like that's it and that's that's all these mystical experiences say it's just it's all about love and you you said it yourself but so it i definitely want to experiment a little more because i'm in that place yeah right and it's important to remember when i do tell my story I'm in that place. Yeah. You know, when I, I sent out my book on a pre-release, I forgot to tell them, don't forget this has a happy ending, right? So all my friends and family are reading that I wanted to end my life and I tried and this is how and this is where I ended up. And uh, I have to remind people like, it ends well, right. <laughs> you know, like I, it, it's better than well, you know, mm. I, you know, I'm grateful for every moment of joy in my life. I'm just incredibly, incredibly happy, Yeah, you know? So wow. yeah, that was my experience. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's put the psychedelics on pause. I want to come back to it because I want to unpack a little bit more about specifically LSD with psilocy- and psilocybin. We'll put that on pause for a second. I don't want to forget to come back though, but let's, let's go right to the beginning. I want to know your backstory. What was it like for you growing up? Walk us through that journey. And maybe if you can pull out the biggest challenge you faced 
in that time from when you're growing up until whenever that had the most impact on your life? Okay. I mean, quick hits, born in Montreal, mom left a, an abusive relationship with my father when I was about a year, um, kind of just disappeared when he was at work and went to Hamilton. So I, I lived in Hamilton for quite a few years. The problem with us disappearing is that mom couldn't ask for child support. So we were left pretty destitute. So we, we were poor in the sense that we did miss meals or relied on, on charity for, for meals sometimes. We, I, I ended up visiting my dad twice a year. So I would just go to Montreal and uh, uh, summers and, and for Christmas, just, just to visit with his new wife. Um, and then I ended up being, well, in the midst of that, just being poor, mom was an alcoholic. Uh, she just sort of turned to alcohol. I mean, she had a successful hairstyle business and then uh, that didn't work out. She kind of turned to alcohol. So living in that environment, and she was single and one of the men she brought home, she hates when I talk about this, raped me when I was eight years old. And I didn't know, I didn't, I kind of tucked it away and I didn't recognize it. So it happened and I didn't tell anyone and I, I hid the evidence. This is what I'm talking about. I talk about mostly in the book. And then I just, it just disappeared from my memory. So I knew something had happened in that room but I didn't know what I knew, you know, there's a strange man in my room that told me to shut up and go to sleep. And I went and I shut up and go to sleep. That was the extent of my memory at the time. And it, in looking back at that, what's funny is you can see up until then, I was really good in school. I was really attentive. I liked my teachers. And when you look at all my report cards, they just drop, you know, he's daydreaming. He's not here, not trying, not present. Huh. I ended up being just kind of a troubled teen. So mom sent me to live with dad when I was 15 and that kind of went the wrong way. So I went from living with my mom where there was no rules to kind of like a military type style, very, very, very strict environment. So I, I stayed with him for, I think a year and a half before I, I left. And so I was, I think it was like 17 ran away, but then just sort of couch surfed on, on friends, friends couches. Mm. Fast forward to, I got into a lot of trouble, got, got arrested. And when I was about to be sentenced, well, uh, it's a long story on why I was arrested, but when I was about to be sentenced, it, it could have gone either way. I, did, I described this in, in the book where either I'm going to jail for minimum two years less a day, or he's going to let me off with time served. And he let me off because I got accepted to Carleton University. And he said, this is your chance. And I said, yes, sir. Okay, got my chance. And so kind of went on the straight and narrow didn't drink didn't because I hated it because I grew up with it you know obviously no smoke no 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 weed no nothing I was just very straight edged school didn't work out but I was able to work and working was so great for me I got obsessed and addicted to work I was able to do it even though it was shitty jobs but but I was doing well at them so I'd work at a cafe and I'd work at Foot Locker was probably my biggest success back then, you know, making 27K a year, thinking I've made it. This is, I love my job. I love sneakers. I love sports. You know, I'm, I'm just doing it. But then, uh, and from Ottawa, being the best in the country in sales was a big deal, you know, beating those, you know, those, those jerks at Eaton Center in Toronto. Oh, yeah, wow. uh, so I'm tasting success. I'm like, I'm doing really well. I think I want more. And more for me was was more recognition more money and i got into that so i started i went back to school i was doing working in a cafe from 
5 a.m. to 9 a.m., Foot Locker 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., busing across town to go to school 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. to learn computer engineering. Through that, I end up winning an essay contest because I'm in love with writing. And I get a full scholarship to get a designation for computer engineering. And uh, I end up doing that and not working for a year and just focusing. Did really, really well, got hired right out, became a computer engineer. And working in a very small company, I took that company over, just kind of went into massive credit card debt, took that company over and grew that to a really successful lifestyle business. A few years later, took on a partner and he came, he brought another friend in. The three of us founded a pretty big company, which is uh, called Ascent, which is now um, in the hundreds of millions by growth, uh, which is the company I retired from uh, in December 2017. So I was always really good at the work. And it was only while I was writing this book where I was like, I was a fucking addict. My, my relationships were garbage. I treated people like garbage. I, had, I, I, I cheated always I, like with, with everyone I was with. I, I, just, I had no real social ability, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I was, I was able to work 80, 100 hour weeks easy and do, do well at that. But it was just another addiction for me. So I was able to just get that. And once I stepped away from that, all of a sudden, all, of my le- I'm, all I'm left with is me, you know, looking, looking at who I am and who I'd become. So, but that in the early stages, actually, of building that, the big company, is when the, the memory of being raped came back. And it sends me into a whirlwind. So I go from straight edge, you know, very little, you know, not doing anything, maybe a glass of wine with dinner type guy to deciding to end my life, not going to therapy and doing it in the most explosive way ever. ever. So think leaving Las Vegas. And I, I go and I just, I travel, I party and party. I get really deeply into ecstasy, into cocaine, into speed. And we're talking not just like, first made me feel good, you know, just on the weekends, but then it, it turned into three or four nights a week where, yeah. you know, Monday and Tuesdays, I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Thursday roll around, I'm itching. I'm itching. Like, come on. And, yeah. you know, I, my partners, I had two young partners who, you know, fraternity guys, really, really sharp, you know, just work hard, play hard type guys. So mm. going out and celebrating all the time is, you know, just that's what they do, you know? And so I wanted to be a part of that. The problem was I just... You know, when they went home, I continued. And when I continued, not for hours, I'd continue for days. Um, And as that company was growing, I was growing less and less effective. And I thought I was hiding it. (laughs) But there's not even a chance, right? They they, they knew exactly what was happening. Um, Well, they didn't know exactly what was happening, but they knew that it wasn't wasn't effective and they knew that I was struggling. Mm. Mm -hmm. Powerful. That's my backstory. (laughs) <laughs> powerful do you think that all of that stemmed from that that experience when you're eight do you think all of that is deep rooted back to that or i think yeah i think i knew like because it wasn't I, I hate using repressed memory but because it wasn't amnesiotic i knew something was there yeah. and i knew that something wrong happened and it's amazing how kids know kids know that this 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 isn't right I just didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I did end up going to therapy who said that that's what happens, right? You become disassociated. Yeah. I mean, it just informed my behavior, my troubled, my troubled, youth, uh, my troubled youth. 
and it, it definitely informed how I treated people. And, you know, it just sort of, I treated them like garbage. They wouldn't, didn't want people to be close to me. Right. And if they did, I would treat them worse. Mm. It's man. It fascinates me how the human brain and all these things get stored and how these, the repression of these emotions come out in addictions and, and mm-hmm. this behavior of it's in, it's there's just so many people that are going through that. It's not that everybody who is sexually abused, but there's some sort of trauma there that so many people are compensating for with, by doing these things. And I wonder, are all these addictions from trauma or like, are they learned? Gabor Mate like insists that every addiction comes from trauma. Huh. And, and I, I don't know what the spectrum is. Like the smoking go back to trauma. I don't know. Um, but I think the hard addictions definitely, definitely yeah. do. Here, they like, also I, say that if you've had parents, you've had trauma. <laughs> I could, yeah, I think everybody has though. But isn't there some sort of, I don't, I don't want to say positive trauma because that don't, that's not right. But when you say that going through some sort of hard experience is kind of what shapes us, I mean, okay, it, from zero to 10, right? There is so much, you know, your parents fighting and there's all this kind of shit going on. We're all going to be impacted from one spectrum, side of the spectrum to the other. But wouldn't you say that, that there is a positive in some of that mm-hmm. as well? Obviously not, not some of the stuff like that, what you went through, mm-hmm. but it actually did it. Like you've actually, now you can tell your story. So you've actually become successful. It's, it's crazy how there's like these things that happen and it ends up being the thing that helps somebody later on to be able to teach people about this and inspire them. So it's almost like you have to thank your trauma. Yeah. You have to be grateful for it for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. you got to give it's, it love. Yeah, you, you do. You have to. And, and I, I, there's a, there's actually another chapter on that on loving kindness meditation where I, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but in case your listeners aren't where you wish yourself goodwill, you wish uh, the people you love goodwill, people that you don't know, goodwill you wish them the best and then you wish someone you've had difficulty with you know and i've had several people and then it's sort of and after a while i'm like well i have no i have no problem with anybody you know i think i'm I'm a pretty nice guy and like and i have no one and then it just sort of dawned on me i'm like i have to wish goodwill to the to the man in that room Mm. and you know i I broke down and it took months uh, but i ended up doing it and i you know i i don't wish anyone bad will i don't no. you know i do i i we don't know who it is i don't i hope he's never done it again or since so like i you know i don't wish that but i, I yeah. don't wish him death or ill will you know adversity is something that really speaks to me because i'm raising daughters now right oh, or, yeah. and and i want them to be empathetic but i want them to be fierce mm-hmm. and i don't want to get in their way i also don't want my trauma to inform me as a parent you know, and uh, at first I'm like, okay, well, I have to put some obstacles in their way because they need to, yeah, they need to go through some shit to get there. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. But no, yeah, so sorry, keep I, going. I, I, and and it's funny because like forever, I and I, I was thinking, what could I do? Like, how do people do that? And yeah. it was actually Cheryl Strayed, who are uh, the author of Wild, uh, that was speaking, and she she was going through the same thing. She's like, adversity finds you. You know, you, you know, yeah. as our job as parents are is not to coddle them so much as to be present and be loving and be and you know you can let them fall, but don't trip them. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I, I love watching, I love watching my daughter trying to climb the couch. So my, yeah, my daughter's now three and my youngest is weeks. I sent you a photo. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, and uh, I was sort of sitting on the, on the sofa and she's like uh, my, my oldest at the time trying to climb up and she just couldn't do it. I'm like, it's like, there's no way she's climbing. And my mom walks in she's like, are you going to help her? I'm like, no, you know, she's safe. She falls, you know, yeah. she'll, she'll fall. She'll stumble. And sure enough, she falls. Boom. She's like, looks at me I'm like, you okay? Yeah. Okay. Then she tries again and she tries again. And then she does it. I'm like, the physics doesn't work yet. How does she do that? But the look of pride on her face was like, she did it. I'm like, mm. that's amazing. Now you did it. Right. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, my parenting style right now, you know, aside yeah. from all the books that I'm reading. But yeah, in, in adversity is an interesting thing, right? You want them, I want them to have challenges that they have to get through yeah um, but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put them in front of her <laughs> yeah well this yeah. is the whole thing like the message behind this show is change your perspective on it right because you're gonna get it anyway you either yeah. you either become the victim or you become empowered right it's coming for us yeah you know we either have to embrace it and be like fuck come on let's go like let's learn yeah. from this right like you gotta dance with it you have no choice sure. when yeah. you retreat or you dance with it right it's like you gotta hit the dance <laughs> so true and yeah, I, my, my friend says, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, my my no, friends always said, whenever his, something comes up, either he's pissed off because of his kids or whatever, he'll just say, let me sit with this for a second. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to feel pissed off. I don't want to be like, why am I? What's, what's, what's underneath there? What's the raw spot there? And it invariably goes back to fear. Yeah. And then you can love it and then you can let it go. Yeah. yeah love or fear, man. That's, that's the basis of it. And yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting thing because what you talked about was exactly what Theo Fleury talked about when he was on the show. So all of you guys, hockey fans out there in Canada, you guys probably know Theo Fleury. He came on a few months ago and he had talked about, he had talked about how he's coming out with another book as well about this, is that he ha he's learned to like forgive, you know, who, you know, Graham James or whatever that whole thing was. And he's like, that was the biggest thing in his life that he had to do was like, is, is you have to be able to give that situation love because otherwise it's like, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> and forgiveness is not about the other guy. No, because you're the one right? that's holding on to it. You don't, <laughs> yeah. if you're pissed off and constantly, I get we're traumatized, but if you're constantly holding that, you're choosing to hold that. And you're the one that's hurting, not them. For sure. They, they don't yeah. know, right? And it's like that in a relationship. It's like that with anybody. It's like you can be pissed off all you want with your ex or your boss. You're the one that's going to feel it. Mm -hmm. So you got to learn to let it go, first of all. And you got to learn to just give that situation the feeling, feel it, and then move on and, and understand that it's yeah. all part of it. Yeah. Right? And if you can give that person love, yeah. holy shit, you're in a new, you're in a new world. Because you're essentially I, giving yourself love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so it's glad right. you brought up Theo. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. It's like to talk to you about Theo. Yeah. Um, his book, I reached out to him. Uh, I think I, I mentioned. And he, we talked on FaceTime for like an hour and a half. And every prediction he made, and my book's not even out yet. It's tomorrow. But everything, every prediction he's made has come true. Because he's, he's just like, Rob, get ready. 
people are going to share with you. So I did a pre-release of 200 people, sort of our friends and family. 30 people, 30, no, sorry, 30%, almost 60 people shared their trauma with me. People I, I had no idea. And it's overwhelming. And he's like, it's, it's going to be overwhelming. You're going to yeah. be able to help who you can help, but you're not going to be able to help everyone. And those people who get through the, through, through the cracks, it's going to fuck with you. You know, so that's going to be a trauma in itself. And he's the one who actually gave me the advice to tell, you know, tell your story backwards. Let people know that you're good because telling my story, especially the beginning of it, can be traumatic or trigger for other yeah, people. Yeah, it's great. Right? Um, yeah. It's great. Yeah, I, I have all these notes. And so he's telling me this. And even, I don't, I don't want to, someone I was working with, I'll, I'll say at the, yeah, working with on the book anyway. I don't want to call her out or anything, but she, I got on the call to discuss, you know, find details and stuff. And she read it and she started sharing and I, I, I had no idea what to, to say. I just, I froze, you know, and she's like, what's the one thing that, that helped you? And I'm like, it's not just one thing. It can't be just one thing, right? It's a process. You know, it's a series of things. For me, it was all of it. And this is what I, I, I have. And it's got to take times and inch by inch type thing. That's why I actually ended up reaching out to, to Theo. And that's why I ended up signing up for a men's group that, that mm-hmm. I'm in now. So, yeah. Wow, that's but Theo, uh, but Theo was so uh, awesome. He was just so it's, it's got to be one of my favorites. Straight dude. <laughs> it was one of my favorite interviews to date. It was like when I got off the call, I was like, that was fucking perfect. I can't yeah. ask, that was the I got did I get to ask him as much hockey questions? No, <laughs> which I wanted to, but I didn't. I really wanted to ask him a couple, but yeah, no, it's um great and it's just, as you know, as well, I've talked about it. The more you share your story, the more you start to heal. It like gives you an extra layer of, of, of healing mm-hmm, becomes sure. therapeutic because you and know you're helping people. And that's in itself a great feeling. Just writing it down, just writing it down. There's yeah. a famous quote. I think it's William James is like, I'll tell you what I'm thinking when I'm able to write it down. And once you start writing, there are thoughts and feelings that you didn't know you had. Mm. And uh, is randomly, Ron Perlman was releasing his memoir years and years ago. And uh, I saw, saw him in an interview. He's like, every single person, you know, 40 and above <laughs> should be writing their memoir or, you know, whatever, I guess, age. And just because of the catharsis, man, you're able to envelop the good things and the bad things that you've experienced throughout your life. So true. And I think that's why people love journaling and, and that sort of thing. That's once you write it out, you, you don't have to share it. Like, like my book wasn't intended. I didn't, I didn't set out to write a book. You know, I, I wrote a secret goodbye to the people I loved. And in writing, I found, I found solace and I found therapy mm-hmm. and it ended up being a huge apology. And it was only when I shared it, you know, with, with my wife who met with shock, uh, but love of the best kind. She's like, you have to share this. Like, like you have to tell the story. It's going to help so many people. And it already has. Like, I, I'm so, so proud to say. And like, the cliche, if it helps one person, it's been worth it, is, is rings true right now to me. I'm just in that space because yeah. it happened in my, it happened recently in my men's group. I shared it with them. And a man, one of my, my fellow members of that group had been holding on to his trauma for 50 years. And it was the first time he was able to share it outside of his wife and, and therapist was in group with, with like a room full of 12 men. Um, and he said he wouldn't, wouldn't been able to do it if it wasn't for my book right in my face. So he's told me this and I'm just, 
Mm. Like where do, where the fuck do I put this? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and, and with, that's another thing getting this feedback is like, you're so brave. You're so courageous. I'm like what, where do I put this? I don't understand. Yeah. And I, I, I went back to my therapist. She's like, integrate the good because we work so hard to integrate the bad. And that's true for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we work hard on integrating the bad stuff, but it's okay to integrate the good stuff. Like I'm sure you're, you're going through that right now, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, your, your meter, meter, your meter is rising, you know, you're doing, a, have an amazing show and that sometimes getting all that kudos can be intimidating. Man, I, I was going through so many different battles and it never ended even while doing this show. Right. I, I, it's no secret that I struggled with alcohol for a long time and, and partying and doing lots of Coke and ecstasy and, you know, staying up till stupid o'clock and going to work the next day and doing it again. And there's no secret. And I would sit there. So with lying in a puddle of sweat, like with this anxiety of like being stuck, can't sleep, fucking can't eat, can't, and just lying there with anxiety, just like heart pumping out so many times. And, and, that feeling like I can remember it specifically. And I, I, I never understood why I did that shit. You know, I didn't go through any sexual trauma, but I definitely went through emotional trauma. Now that I look back, you know, I was, a I, my parents, you know, I was very, very close to my mom. My parents fought a lot, but I had a ton of love growing up from zero to 10. Like I had so much awesome family. And if it wasn't for that foundation, I'd be fucked today, man. The reason I can love and I have as much as I have now is because of that foundation. I didn't realize that until recently, until I started unpacking all this shit. I, but after that, my parents, my mom left my dad when I was nine and that was like, and she had to, right? I, I, I got so upset with her for so many years, but I've forgiven her because I'm like, dad was an asshole. <laughs> like I love him. They rest in peace, but he was an asshole at times. Right. And, but I went through such trauma from my mom being like, you know, a mama's boy and not her leaving. And then we moved from Edmonton to Victoria uh, two years later. And I literally never saw my family for like a year and a half, two years sometimes. And I was just a young kid. And then my, my dad met this crazy step woman and had a kid and had a big family. It was like five kids there. It was fucking nuts. But that was like so emotionally traumatizing on me that I believe that was the reason why I went the way I did. And I find that fascinating because I was never abused sexually or any of that, but that trauma itself, at least I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have any recollection. Like, fuck. Well, those, those are, those are your formative years, right? Yeah. You you had, you had this stable environment with the two people that, you know, you're you're physiologically attached to and you're supposed to depend on and they split, you know, that's, that's, (laughs) like your whole world you had to start all over yeah yeah and and it was um i mean a lot of fighting we had a lot of emotional fighting growing up too but you know i always had a lot of love so like now i look back and i'm like why did i go so destructive part of me loved partying like Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it right oh in the moment like i loved going out we're 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 living our best life dude i right I loved going out and I love partying and being the guy and having fun and all that. But the aftermath of what it does to you is, is really, is really bad. And, but it's, it's so interesting because all I worked in the bars for so many years and all of these dysfunctional people have these traumas in them and they're all coming to these bars. And it's like, 
what's going on in these lives? Like, why is everybody, why are we here? Why is everybody, you know what I mean? We're all drinking yeah. the poison. It's and amazing. Fucking it's moving amazing. around and jumping around. And then the next day you see them on the street and you don't talk to them. It's like, <laughs> oh, we're telling each other, we, oh, I love you, man. And dude. Like, and you're every, you know, every weekend you're there. You're like, we're going through this shit together. We're partying together. We've been through so much. And like, you know, we just went out and got drunk together. It's, you know, it's not a foxhole. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But I feel like it's also necessary to really appreciate when you feel good, because when you're on the worst hangover, when you feel good, you're like, just, you just love feeling good. <laughs> I think of sometimes I'm like, I think of the worst hangover and I'm like, holy fuck, I'm glad I'm not there right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm and so grateful to feel good. I've written, written into my gratitude journal. Like, thank you for allowing me to get out of that hole. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And you're, yeah, your head's clear, right? <laughs> yeah. You can think properly. I'm like, I know words again. Oh. Like, especially those come downs after binges on, I mean, on ecstasies, oh, <laughs> those come downs are, I, I, yeah, I'm like crying in airplane bathrooms, coming back from Vegas, not knowing why, losing myself all over the, and all these <laughs> different airports, but on the highs, yeah, yeah, we're dancing, getting, you know, bottles and, and yeah. you know, models and bottles everywhere and just living the life. And yeah, like I said, on social media, it's living your best life. And all my friends are like, you know, this, he's so happy. He loves life so much. I'm like, yeah, well, a lot of it's ecstasy. And it's a lot of it's yeah. trying to get rid of any money that I had saved. So I'd be sure to end my life at some point. So it's definitely, yeah, wow. I, I think a lot of those people are kind of shocked at that. But especially I found for me anyway, um, I did it so often, especially the ecstasy. I, I lost track of what was real. You know, because it's it's such a it, it plays you love everything and you 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 appreciate everything because everything's so amplified. But you go to work, I'm like, I'm not sure what I like or dislike. I don't know which way is up. I, mm. And you know, I went from speaking to graduating classes to not being able to hold a meeting because I lost my confidence. I had no idea where I was. Uh, completely disoriented. Yeah. Um, so, and that's a, that's when I was recovered. And <laughs> that was like, how old right? were you? And what year was this? Because I remember the years when that was, when I was doing that a lot. And that would have been like early 2000s. Where, oh God, what, this is like 2004. 2012 to 2016, I think, were the, the big part years. Okay. I'm really lucky when I decided to write this book, I had my credit card statement and I had Expedia and had social media. So I had a very documented timeline of when and where these happened, what was happening. And yeah. I made a big chart and what drugs we did. And like, yeah, I just crazy, man. Um, it was obscene, obscene. So what was like your rock bottom where you're like, all right, things change now. Like was, were you faced with, cause I know you were, well, you were saying that you were, Oh, that was the, sorry, you, you talked about when you almost went to jail, right? That was kind of, was that, was that the sort of, that's when I was like 19, right? That, oh, okay. That, that so like, then. when did you start to shift? Like what was to, the thing that caused you to, to get, to get better? Yeah. To, to, um, so to, yeah, I think, yeah, back in 2016, probably. Well, again, we were starting to take steps towards it. It was yeah. my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, who's like, we, you know, I just wanted a boring life. That's what she, she just kind of looked up to me. I was just, just laying in bed and I had looked at this beautiful woman who had dragged down with me and she's like, I just, I just want a boring life, you know, cause we're living in this crazy, stupid, you know, 
what looked like a glamorous life. And I just like, boring sounds really fucking good right now. Yeah, and, um, and I was going back to work and she's like, let's start meditating. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, well, let's just, let's just start. Let's just start with five minutes in the morning, you know, maybe five minutes at night. I heard it helps you sleep. I'm like, okay. So, and um, she puts on this meditation, you know, on her phone, on the pillow before I go to work. And the meditation was five minutes and it was just a woman's voice saying, may things be good today. I'm like, okay, great. May things be good today. Awesome. Yeah. I think things are going to be good. And she kept on saying it and she kept on saying it. I'm like, well, wait, just, okay, shut up. Like may things be good today. I'm like, why am I worthy of things being good? And no, like stop saying it. I'm like, I literally, I was so overwhelmed and it's like five minutes. I'm just like, all right, thanks. I just ran to the shower and just sobbed. Uh, like what's going on? And uh, I had a good day that day. Yeah. And so uh, we did it again and again. And I started researching because I'm a geek that way. Everything about meditation. It's like, well, so this is, and I'm thinking science, utilitarian. Okay, this helps me sleep, helps me be calm and present at work. I can, you know, respond and not react to people at work. I can just chill. I can, okay, this is going to help me, help me a little bit. And in doing that and I wanted to learn a little more and months go by and like, I'm loving this. And I do a little yoga just on YouTube, you know, I don't want to do that. Like I said, I was 70 pounds heavier. <laughs> I just wanted to, to get in touch with, with my body a little bit more. And then it kind of realized that I don't want to die and I'm taking steps to get better. Fast forward to that mushroom trip and that mushroom trip got me to decide. I'm like, okay, it's shit or get off the pot. I'm like, okay, well I'm going to shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide to like, I'm just going to break up with my girlfriend and whatever. We break up. She moves to Toronto and I decide to go for a drive to clear my head. And, and I think this is 2016 now. I drive down to Toronto to, just to visit her. We're not together. And she's like, can I come with you? I'm like, okay. So we drive for five and a half days. We just drove to just through the States and I end up, I'm like, I've always wanted to go to Walden because a friend in high school introduced me to Thoreau and I wanted to go see the cabin. I'm like, okay. So we went there and I had just a big epiphany there. I'm like, I, and I, and I, I say this in the book, I apologize to the reader. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to end my life. I'm going to, I'm going to make things better. And I'm just literally swimming in Monet Walden Pond thinking I can, I can handle this. And at worst, I can just go build a fucking cabin in the woods. <laughs> right. So I come back, she moves back to Ottawa. Uh, not in with me, but who's back and we just sort of kind of see each other. And yeah, I go from meditation, I start studying nutrition and just, uh, I have a very patient doctor who tests my blood every six months. So I start just eliminating all the garbage, getting back to the gym. I, you know, uh, I loved working out. So I just got back into it, got back into the books. I read, you know, my partners read obscene amount of books. I was just trying to keep up with them. And then that turned into a love of, of reading and reading about spirituality, reading about just Buddhism. I really got into Buddhist practice because it laid out a framework yeah. for living a life that I don't think I was taught. So sticking to that, you know, uh, helped me. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it started out with meditation and then it was a series of small things. I, I like to joke cinnamon saved my life because I took that one little step of no more sugar in my coffee. I'm going to put cinnamon. So instead of putting something harming, I'm going to put something nourishing. Yeah. And even the mindset of I'm doing something for my body is self-love mm -hmm. rather than 
I'm avoiding sugar, so I'm punishing myself, right? Yeah. So that's the whole mind frame. Well, isn't that interesting? Because we think that just because, th- this is the thing, we have this body of so many organs, yet we give precedent to the part that just because it tastes good, we're, we're, it's like a, a reward thing. But we know that it's going to hurt every other organ in the body. But for some reason, the taste is the most important thing. Yet then we make this thing like a, like, you know what I mean? Like you eat a chocolate bar and like, you know that it's not going to do any of the organs any good. I mean, it's fine once in a while, but because of, because it's like, because of the taste, like we care so much about the taste as like the whole experience of the body, you know, like it's, it's, it's like, we're. That's an that's an evolutionary thing. It's, by it's the way. crazy. Like we 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 we've evolved to get calories when we can, and so yeah. we're hyper attracted to calorie dense food. You know, chips. I fucking love chips. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I know that they're not great for me. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, but I know that I'm attracted to them. We're definitely, you know, with with chocolate and oils and you know deep fried stuff. Like, I'm definitely attracted to it. But it's actually an an evolutionary thing that we needed to get calories when we could. Now we can get it way too easily. It's actually you're by eating. That's the thing is you're actually giving your body more. You're actually loving it more by eating the thing that is presented as being, it's just so weird how we frame it. I don't even know how I'm trying to explain it. I just, it's what gives you a little dopamine hit. You're like, wow, I found this chocolate bar. I'm loving myself. It's a treat. Yeah. Like reward yourself (laughs) with sugar. Like, no, you want to reward yeah. yourself with what's going to affect the rest of the organs. That's a reward. Yeah, for sure. Why is rewarding ourselves with sugar a thing? Like, of course. And at the worst times too. Yeah. Right? Like, like you're feeling like garbage. I'm, I feel like shit. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for some comfort food. I'm like, if I'm feeling yeah. stressed, you should eat time. <laughs> yeah, you should eat healthy. things that are going to serve you. Yeah. Like, why is, like, why is sugar the thing that's a reward? Like, ooh, I've been good. I'm going to have some real, I'm going to have some stuff that's going to poison my body. It's like alcohol. It's like, we've yeah. done so great. Celebrate. Let's poison ourselves. It's fucking yeah. nuts. And that's yeah. what we all oh, do. Like, it starts a childhood too, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, my, <laughs> my daughter loves fruit because that's the treat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, we yeah. Have, we well, have apples and watermelons and berries and, yeah. you know, and like nut butters and seed butters. And she's like, oh, oh can sounds- I have some? Like, yeah. Right. Now, like, don't give her like hyper sugar there she's not going to get a bunch of processed sugar because if she does she'll love it <laughs> and yeah. then you know i don't want to fall down that 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 rabbit hole right so i try and tell myself like i'm going to reward you body with good food because it may not be as stimulating in 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 the beginning dopamine hit but the body <laughs> my the rest of the organs are going to appreciate it more if you sure. can somehow frame the food like that and the more the more you do it I think the, the yeah. more you get used to it. I've been eating the same breakfast for probably three and a half years. My wife just shakes her head. Yeah. And it's like, how can you not how can you not get sick of it? I'm like, I love it. What is it, it like sets the tone for the day. I call it my 21 ingredient cereal. So I have uh, I do a muesli, an oatmeal, uh, I'll do a bunch of nuts, I'll do walnuts, pecans, almonds, pumpkin seeds, and then I load on the fruit. So I'll have like bananas, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries blackberries cherries if i have some frozen so you're not a low carb guy that's for sure no definitely <laughs> not definitely not we're actually both my wife are 
uh, I'm back in school, but I took the semester off. And yeah. uh, but both my wife and I are doing a nutrition certification at oh, Cornell cool. on online. Awesome. And so yeah, they're, they're, it's all like it's teaching you the ins and outs and the how mm. how how all that stuff works. So no, I'm definitely like 80% carbs and mm, interesting. That's, and I should show you before and after picture because <laughs> at 47, getting abs back is pretty. Dude, you look like awesome. you're you look like you're like in early 20s. <laughs> like well, your face you. looks young. Though. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut this piece when you post Dude. this and just keep playing this over and over again. <laughs> you know what my theory was too, though. This is a crazy theory. And uh, are you okay for time? Oh yeah, okay. Time. It's crazy because all right, I don't know. If people are gonna agree with me, but here's my theory. I've seen a lot of people that have worked and lived in that lifestyle of bars and booze and all that. And although it's although it's it's taxing on the body it's also it's also a stress reliever for a lot of times too like it's a weird i've seen so many for my example is i've drank a lot in my life and mm -hmm. and so have you and so have and, and for some reason i don't age that well i wonder if there was some sort of crazy anti-aging <laughs> I know it's it's people probably like, anti-aging booze. Is this no, what you're like, looking for? <laughs> I mean, like the far like because of the the stress aspect of it, it allows you to kind mm. of like relax. As for somebody that doesn't in that situation may stress more. I know it's just something I've always thought about because I'm like, how how do we look still okay? And we had such a you know, but then there's some people that have been healthy their whole lives, and it's like they they look super old. You know, I know it's genetics. Yeah. I've just been my, it's, yeah. a, it's a weird theory I've thought about. And I'm like, huh. There's a lot though. There's a lot to do with lifestyle. Yeah, right? I know There's for like, sure. And like, we don't know the anxieties that people are feeling and that will definitely aid you. Yeah. Um, yeah like, and numbing that with booze, like for, I feel like there was a lot of stress in my life that maybe I didn't feel that maybe like, like, I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what the addiction does, right? It's our coping mechanism. Yeah, so it's like. We're dealing with stress that maybe we're not ready to face. <laughs> I'm trying um, to look at the silver lining in all that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it helped your body not age. Well, yeah, I guess you were pickled <laughs> a yeah, little bit. So you weren't able to, to age. No, it's, uh, I always like to just joke around about different, different things because, yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy how some people age and some people, you know, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is to do a stress personally, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's I, like, like I said, there's a lot. Um, yeah. There's yeah. Anxiety is a big one. Exposure to sun is, is a big one. Right. Yeah. So some, some genetics can't really handle that. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they get weathered in age. I, I drank for a period, right. So it was less than a decade and I won't touch it now. Right. So that's good. Yeah, it was actually when I describe our, you know, five steps forward or one step forward, five step back. And then we were, we were, we were still stumbling, but then once we found out we were pregnant, Oh, there you go. Zero tolerance. Mm. And that's it. Yeah. Never look back, never look yeah. back. And then that's, you know, you start looking at nutrition and, and healing your body. But yeah, I think, yeah, it could be the lineage, right? Where are you, where are yeah. you from? You know, like a Norwegian guy down, moved to Brazil and he's in the sun, <laughs> you know, who knows? Yeah. I don't think the skin might be able to handle that. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Mm. And yeah, you know how some people have that, that anti-aging sort of skin and some people don't, but 
I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, we're, we're here in such a short period of time. We're not going to have it all figured out, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, I mean, you and I were athletic most of our life. Yeah. Too. So maybe that gave us a good base. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. No, hmm. for sure. Let's, let's, I want to touch on one more thing. This is back to the psychedelic stuff. Back to, because it does, I want to, I want to kind of change the narrative for people that it's not about, it's not about a party recreational experience is that it's actually could be used as their therapeutic tool to deal with these things. So what was your experience? Like, let's say like with the microdosing of LSD versus the microdosing of psilocybin or let's say LSD versus psilocybin (laughs) mushrooms. What was your experience like? Well, so yeah, I guess the important, the most important part with psychedelics is set in setting. So yeah. you you mentioned it. You you have an intention, right? That's I guess your mindset. You're set in your setting. Where are you? You 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 described it. You very you did it in the dark. To do it in a safe place is is a big thing. So the first the psilocybin, I had no setting. I had no idea what I was doing. My my mindset was I don't want to be alive, but I want to get high. And you know I'm having this relationship with these different women that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not being a good person. And I know that. Uh, so psilocybin was like, yeah, yeah, you're not being a good person. You kind of suck. And here's why. And here's the feelings of those people that you're treating like shit. And bam, okay, well, here's a knife. Let's turn it. Here's another knife. Let's turn it because this is how what you're making. This is what this is what pain you're causing. So that was my psilocybin trip. And, and I say that I, th- I think that helped my, my journey more than, than hurt it. Yeah. And I would absolutely do it again under the right conditions. And yeah. I would go in with intention. I do want to unpack more. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I want to look within a bit deeper because I'm a trauma survivor and I'm a parent. So I really want to explore. I don't want that to inform how wow. I parent. LSD was kind of me just tripping out in the happiest time my, my first was born already uh, i wasn't allowed to pick her up <laughs> and i just sort of wandered around the house just describing things to my wife who was my safe place and i was at home and the house we had at the time was in the middle of a forest so i was able to go outside and you know talk to the trees yeah. because they 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 were communicating i believe they you know you know i just just had that sense you know we're not exchanging words or dialogue or, or what have you but I had this sense of, of oneness and that sense hasn't left me and neither experience has left me. I know I can go back, I can meditate and it will start again. I'll be Mm -hmm. in that place again. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to feel those, those feelings, obviously a little faded since I will tell you, I had another experience. I did Pasana, the 10 day silent retreat. And I, I can only do six days and after 50, 50 hours, you know, 10 hours a day, five days, I was probably, I was taken to a place where I saw my own ego standing in front of me and the little boy hiding behind him. And it just, it fucked me up for weeks. I wasn't able to meditate for weeks oh. um, and, and I had to leave. So doing that under, with, with trauma is inadvisable. You know, I think, you know, it's not, so I don't think it's for everyone, but I love that I did it, but um, I also, it was, it was a tough one. So, you know, extended meditation gets you to that, that place as well. Mm. But that was a tough one. That was a tough one. And I still, I can see it clear as day seeing this, 
you know, in just like this tall, white, you know, prominent figure, just like a, like a stick man type thing and see the little, my little boy, like me as a little boy hiding behind him. And, and yeah, so that fucked with me for a little while. So glad you could say the F word here. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like, you gotta be able to express yourself, right? This is how yeah. I would talk if I was sitting this is this is the exact conversation I would have with you if we're sitting together in a room, man. Like that's yeah, true. That's what I like to have it. Like I'm not, I'm exactly the same. Like if we were right here, if we weren't recording, I'm the, I'd ask you the same. <laughs> I try yeah, and keep yeah. it as real as possible because, you know what? There's too much. There's too much stuff out there that's just un, just fabricated, un, unauthentic, and I just love that about this is like, just being real. You know, like being I, authentic, like. <laughs> just through through my entire journey um i was so full of shit yeah like so full of shit and hiding who i really was yeah and just, i just sorry that you you triggered me by saying authentic yeah, man. i and when my wife said boring that has become authentic mm-hmm. you know i'm no, no longer worried about what lies i've told what people um because i don't <laughs> i'm just this is me and even if I'm tired after a day of taking care of, you know, my, my, my toddler and I had a thought the other day, I'm like, Oh, it's so hard to be on all the time. And then I'm like, you know what? I wasn't on. I was just me. I was just being a good parent. I'm just mm-hmm. physically tired <laughs> to yeah. try to keep up with her. And just the whole, the whole victimitis <laughs> victim part of it. I'm like, I'm not being on. I'm just being me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well I'm just, I'm just tired. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. it's good to be tired. <laughs> it's it's good. I mean, you got to be able to just be you, and it's so nice because with with this show, I was like, I just want to be able. I love that I can just be myself, and you know, my whole mm-hmm. life I was hiding behind this like persona of you know whoever I was, and this bartender guy or hockey guy, and now I'm just a guy, right? Like did, I stay stupid you- shit sometimes, and I I you know <laughs> even I talk about and people are probably like, what the fuck are you saying? But that's just what I would be like anytime. Sometimes I say things, I'm like, well, I shouldn't have said that. But that's I just, think that's the draw. That's yeah. the draw, right? That's yeah. you know, you're like you're just so you. I mean, that's that's I think that's that's awesome. Were you like that behind the bar? Did you ask people a lot of questions and you were sincerely listening like like you do now? Yeah, I well, it's funny you ask that because I I've I've talked about it a couple of times about how like what drew me to the bar. And it, the, the, the late nights and the fun partying was fun, but that's not what drew me. What drew me was the, the, when I started working in like bars or restaurants that allowed me time to interact, interact with the guest. So like the, the slow Tuesday night at 8 p.m., there's nobody, but somebody comes and sits at the bar and orders a cocktail and I know how to make a fucking good cocktail, right? <laughs> so I, I took pride in that. And I, you know, I took pride in giving them the experience. I love that. I love people coming in, you know, they got their issues or problems. I listen. And then by the time, by the time they leave, they're better than they were before. And that's what I used to say to my staff too. Like I used to run bars and I go, your goal is to have them feel better than they did before. Like that's all you have to do. They're coming here for an experience. So if you can leave people better than you did before, that's the, that's what life's all about. And so with the podcast, that's kind of like what I try and um, aspire to as well is, you know, get as much value as I can, but like, you know, allow the person to feel better than they did to the interview. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of like what my whole thing was in in the bars was, was that's what I loved the the connection. 
you know, mm -hmm. the connection yeah. between two people. And I always wonder, like, and it's like that just building relationships, you know, like that's the thing. So having a podcast allows me to do that. And instead, so it's, it's amazing. Sorry. Instead, sorry, uh, instead, instead of hiding behind booze, like I can't speak unless I have booze. I don't, I, that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. I developed that confidence that mm -hmm. I can speak to, to people very successful and I don't have to be drunk or buzzed mm -hmm. or shot of right. Jack Daniels in order to talk to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it speaks volumes that you chose to take that direction and and own it right you chose like, instead of just rolling your eyes yeah yeah i know i give a guy a drink you were just like no i'm gonna actually give someone an experience i'm gonna try to better someone's life in the way i can like you chose to do that yeah right? you chose to, to to take that to heart and now you know you're, you're doing it you know as you're <laughs> in, in this podcast so you know i think that speaks volumes about your character well i appreciate it man like you know it's all about doing your best to cultivate your relationships in life, you know, because we, we, we connect for a reason. There's so mm -hmm. many people in the world and there's a reason people come in and it's, it's important to be present. And what's cool about this is how often other than when you're on a podcast, do you really get to have like a one-on-one -on -one with people from all over the world? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like never. Yeah, I definitely envy you. It's, it's, it's an well, amazing, amazing experience. I think about it and I'm like, what? Like how mm -hmm. many times, even when you're going to sit down with people, everyone's got their phone out. There's never that real connection. And this is like the only time. So I really get to listen and people, you know, we get really get to vibe on the energy. And that's a rare thing. And I even forget about that sometimes. I'm like, holy shit. Like, what, how is this? Where else in the world can you do this? That's a, it's amazing. That's an incredible insight that yeah. I wonder if that speaks to the success in podcasts. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there. It's because because you're always in the fly in the wall. But you're listening to two people connect. Yeah. And and be present to one another, especially long form. You know, like yeah. like you like. It's it's amazing to be a part of that, even though you're just listening, right? Yeah. And then you feel connected with the with with these people, even though you're driving and you're not being fully fully you know present, or you're listening to earphones and you're running or something, but you're still you're still a part of that presence. So maybe I wonder if that you know speaks to that success. Well, yeah, I, I think so. And that's why for me, I don't like to have, so I've, I've toyed with the idea of going shorter in my episodes. There's been some, mm -hmm. you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And look, I can really, I can pull out stuff in 30 minutes, but I enjoy the deeper connection. I enjoy taking mm -hmm. the time. And, you know, I've, I've been playing with the idea because I don't know if everybody wants to listen to that. I just feel with who I am naturally, that's how it came. And the yeah. reason I like podcasting in the first place was Joe Rogan and his mm -hmm. conversation style <laughs> and yeah. Tim Ferriss and Aubrey Marcus. Yeah. So for me, that's what inspired me to do a podcast. So why would mm -hmm. I go and do a 30 minute, 15 minute? Mm -hmm. Although, right. yeah, I know everyone's attention span is 50 minutes, but honestly, if you can't fucking listen and you don't want to listen for an hour, well then don't. But, if people's like, attention spans 15 minutes, then the best podcasts in the world wouldn't be three hours. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. if Tim Paris is getting, you know, a quarter of a million downloads, yeah. a quarter of a hundreds of millions, like, yeah. uh, sorry, a quarter of a billion downloads. It's insane. And these are two to three hours. And Audrey Marcus is usually pretty long. And yeah, we know Rogan goes forever, you know? It's, so there's billions of, of downloads there. So I think, I don't know. I, I think the attention spans there as long as, you know, 
your guests are being boring. I hope I'm not being boring. <laughs> no, man. I mean, just the conversations, right? And that's why we create video content. That's why we, because right now, especially podcasting has gone down and listening because people aren't going to the gym. People aren't going to yeah. driving. Oh, yeah. So yeah. visual, they want their, um, they want their, uh, John Lee Dumas, actually, from Entrepreneurs on Fire, he's amazing. He was on. Mm-hmm. We're releasing him coming up here. We did a 15-minute power round with him. But he was saying how podcast listening will go down because people want full stimulation right now. They want to watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. They want to watch. So that's why like video format is good, like YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this, the world will turn around. I mean, the world will Actually, I love those shorts that you're sending out. Yeah, awesome. Sorry to interrupt again. No, that's yeah, no, I love those things. I'm like, and you know, they're subtitled too. So you're scrolling through, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No, they're we our team's awesome. I couldn't do it without my team. Like they, you know, it's 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 a lot of collaborative work and we've we built something that I'm pretty proud of. And you know, that's now what I do as a business too, right? So I uh, like I've I become passionate about delivering what I've created for myself. And, and that's why podcasting, I just see the value in it and what it's done for me. So I'd almost be robbing the world of not giving them a gift that I have created for myself because it's done so much mm-hmm. for me and I want to see it in other people. So, right. and you know, hearing about you writing a book and that inspires me because I really want to write a book too, man. And, and I'm really excited to check yours out. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope you do. <laughs> yeah, man. If you could. Out of all the stuff, this is this is kind of like my last framed question for you. If you could um, give the listeners a takeaway from all of this, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? The number one lesson. Sorry, I worded that completely wrong. What is the number one lesson <laughs> that adversity itself has taught you that the listeners can take away and use in their own life? That you should treat yourself as you would treat the, the person you love the most in your life. And, and I say that, you know, in the thick of it where I'm struggling, I don't want to hear it from anyone that I'm an addict. I don't want to hear that, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I don't want to hear I'm like a degenerate. I, if I, the moment I treated myself, you know, with that compassion, because I know if I saw someone struggling, I'd want to help them. I want to give them a, sa- a safe space. I want to say, you know, whatever the, it is they need, you know, if they need to hear that they're an addict, but, or, or give them a safe space to realize or, or whatever they, they need. Once I was able to, to really accept what I was going through and uh, love myself with compassion, I was able to just bring myself out of it mm-hmm. and realize that other people were to, to do the same thing. Like, if my daughter drops a glass and breaks it, I'm, I'm going to be like, holy shit, okay, stay still, make sure you're safe, we're good, I'm going to come scoop it up, I'm going to pick it up, I'm like, are you okay? If I drop a glass, you fucking idiot. What? What? No, no, I'm going to treat myself, mm, you know, like, like my daughter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat myself with love. I'm like, ah, I hope, am I okay? <laughs> you know, do I have great, a that's a great glass? point, man. Right. So like you, you treat yourself like your best friend, your, you know, if you, you know, whoever you're closest with, like in, in those small moments, they'll translate to big moments mm. um, every, every, every time mm. uh, that, that was a, uh, it was profound, profound for me. Mm. Love it, man. And love yourself. I mean, 
Sharon Salzberg, I, I've read, I love her books. She writes in one of her books, people keep telling you to love yourself, but they don't tell you how. And that mm. struck me. Like, I have to fucking learn how to love myself. Yeah. So I'm going to go find that, you know, I'm going to go find those healing tools and I'm going to, I'm going to use them and I'm going to share them as much as I, as I can. Um, so, you know, it's not just a trope, right? It's not, you, you just really need to love yourself more, right? Yeah. Like, no, I'm going to go find out how I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to help you. how. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, that's so true. It's a moment everybody needs to reflect on for sure. Like mm -hmm. for some reason we punish ourselves yet. <laughs> we do. Like it's, yeah, it's we, our own, like, it's crazy. Put ourselves in this prison for what? Like, and yeah, I mean, people, you know, people are ambitious and they don't want to screw up. And, and when they screw up, they get angry. I'm like, but yeah. you can learn so much from that. You have to take it away and mm. let it go and, and be, be, uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself, everybody. Self-love is the key. Self-love is the key. Where can we find your, what's the name of your book? Where can we find it? Because when this gets released, um, it'll be out. It will be out. Uh, yeah, it's Before I Leave You, um, a memoir on suicide, addiction, and healing. It could be found all the major outlets, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, there's an audio book as well, uh, which is, you know, uh, iTunes, Audible, Amazon as well. BeforeIleaveYou.com uh, is, is the website. I, I went, I just, I know that there's Google, but on their website, on my website, you can find two links to every single distress center, distress center uh, toll-free number that you can call uh, in North America. So everything, every single city, there are there are nation ones, but there are city ones as well. Um, I just put that there in case of, if if you do need help, you can actually have a, a quick reference, a quick way, right. a quick way to find that. Yeah, and on the Twitter, it's Rob Imbo, and uh, I'm not on Instagram. It gives me anxiety. Yeah, it's just Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm on Medium, uh, posting a lot of essays and stuff. And yeah, that's where I am. Dude, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've been <laughs> looking forward to this for so long. Yeah, man, me too, me too. I remember us being introduced by Leanne, and Leanne's so awesome. Um, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, she's on point, eh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she really um, when, And uh, next time you're in Ottawa. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I'm gonna definitely have never been, man. So I'll definitely we'll have to have a chat when we're there. Not, not that there's a lot of traveling going on right now, but uh, uh, yeah, no. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. We're we're being hopeful that the world will come back at some point here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be hopeful. <laughs> oh, dude. All right, dude. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me, Lance. Thanks, everybody. So make sure to go check out Rob and buy his book. There's a link in the show notes for Amazon so you can go and get it. It's going to change a lot of lives. It's going to help a lot of people. So I would love to support. I would love if we could support Rob however we can. And also let us know if you got value from that. I know addiction and suicide and all these kind of things we talked about plant medicine impacts some most people's lives. And as we the conversation gets further and further with trauma and addiction. Plant medicine is becoming a very useful tool to kind of get in and reprogram the wiring. And it's really interesting because I'm hearing it more and more. And I've done it in my own life, which is helping me. So whatever your perspective is on that, it's always I always challenge everybody to really have an open mind and to really explore and be curious about these different things. So go check out Rob. Leave us a review. Share it with a friend if you got value. And hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. I appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.